Thank you, Melanie. Would you please open your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. This morning we are going to be reading probably one of the most familiar accounts in the New Testament, certainly one of the more familiar miracles of Jesus, the calming of the storm. Let's begin reading at verse number 35. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. (laughs) And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Father, we ask that your spirit would do what only he can do in our hearts at this very moment. Illuminate our minds to see the glory of Christ in this verse, in this passage, in this text. And God, may we be forever changed. In this very moment, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So, 17 days ago, on February 11th of this year, 2021, our our governor, Governor Phil Murphy, signed Executive Order Number 222. Now, I don't know if that means he's already signed 222 executive orders. I I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know the politics behind it. But he signed Executive Order Number 222 which extended the COVID public health emergency that he originally signed on March 9th, 2020 for another 30 days, which effectively means that New Jersey has been in a state of public health emergency for an entire year. The same is true for many states in our union. I don't want to debate the merits of these emergency health orders at this point. I'm I'm just over all of that. But I do want to point out that for the past 12 months, we have watched the COVID pandemic pull back the curtain on one of our foremost idols in this nation, this culture, and it is the idol of safety. Fear of this virus has locked people inside their homes. It has turned many into obsessive, compulsive hand washers who avoid as much physical contact as possible with people and objects. Many Christians have essentially forsaken the assembling of themselves together as the church, at least in any meaningful way. 
and all sorts of other reactions that really say more about our personal and cultural obsession with safety and our fear of danger than they do about how deadly the virus actually is. Of course, human beings are naturally afraid of danger, and rightfully so. There are many dangers in our fallen, sin-cursed world. We even sing about them in our hymns, don't we? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come, John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace. And whether we realize it or not, there are dangers all around us all the time. Whether it be a deadly virus, a drunk driver on the road, an aneurysm that drops us dead in an instant, stepping on a venomous snake while hiking in the woods, slipping on black ice while walking into the grocery store, hitting your head in such a way so that your brain begins to swell and days later you're dead. And so we think maybe we should just stay home. We'll be safe there, we think. And then we read about a mother and her two young children who were at home when a jet airplane literally fell from the sky and crashed into it, into their home outside of Gaithersburg, Maryland in 2014, killing all three. Our world is full of dangers, but friends... The Lord Jesus uses these dangers, He uses these perils to make us look beyond ourselves and beyond our false sense of safety to the one who is our true safety, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And in our passage today from Mark 4, we see the disciples in perilous danger. And this episode teaches us that Christ exposes our fearful unbelief and shows His faithfulness in our most dangerous and desperate moments of need. And so let's work through this passage together and, and note three sort of big ideas. And the first is that Jesus recognizes the frailness of our humanity. He recognizes who we are. We're just fragile. We're, we're human. Verse 35 says, On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him, with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. See, Jesus had been ministering all day long just off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Parable after parable, teaching and preaching to the large crowd that had gathered there. And guess what? The Son of God was tired. And so he said to his disciples that evening, let's go over to the other side. Now they were just outside of Capernaum on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is a very large lake. And Jesus wanted to retreat from the crowd that had gathered there that he had been with all day long. He wanted to retreat from that crowd to the eastern shore on the other side, which was far less populated, so he could rest. But on their way across the lake in the evening, verse 37 says, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling Mark says. 
The geography of the Sea of Galilee was notorious for sudden and dangerous storms. And Mark says that the waves were crashing into the boat and it was filling with water. These men, at least the twelve, but most likely other disciples as well, because Mark says there were other boats there, these men were in a perilous situation. They were in real danger. By the way, Mark, Mark writes his gospel as a later companion of the apostle Peter. And so this is almost certainly Peter's eyewitness account that we're reading here. Hence, Mark's inclusion of this little detail about a cushion, which Matthew and Luke leave out. The storm is raging. The boat is filling with water. But look at verse 38. But Jesus, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. This verse teaches us two important truths. Number one, it shows us the humanity of Jesus. So exhausted from the events of the day that he was sleeping like a baby while the boat was tossed all around by the storm. You see, one of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith is that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Not some weird mixture of the two. He is fully God and fully man. This is, this is what Christian theologians for over 1,500 years have called the hypostatic union. You may want to write that down because, friends, whether you understand what that word means or not, that is what separates biblical Christianity from heretical versions of Christianity. The hypostatic union, the, the perfect union of two natures, fully human, fully divine, in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son incarnate. This was issue, an issue of constant debate and doctrinal controversy in the early church period and the the fifth century chalcedonian creed affirms that jesus is this is the language of the creed truly god and truly man and the beautiful thing about this episode here this is where we get to connect theology and just the practical text of scripture the beautiful thing is that in this episode here on the sea of galilee we clearly see both Jesus is tired. He's exhausted from teaching. He's sleeping so hard that not even this dangerous storm can wake him. But the second thing that is sleeping here on the cushion teaches us is that in his humanity, Jesus had perfect trust in his Father, even in the midst of danger. In peril. You see, Jesus calmed the storm as God, right? But he was asleep in the storm as man, just like you and me. He got tired, just like we do. He experienced danger, just like we do. In fact, in Gethsemane, on the night of his betrayal, before his crucifixion, he was so distraught about the road that was ahead that the Bible said that he sweat great drops of blood. Have you ever been that anxious? He felt pain just like we do. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize 
with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted. That word tempted can also be translated tried. Tempted, tried as we are, yet without sin. The old hymn says it. Jesus knows our every weakness. He recognizes and identifies with our humanity. And here in this boat, surrounded by danger, he can sleep (laughs) because he trusts in his Father. He knows Psalm 121. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You see, friends, you can lay your head down on your cushion tonight and sleep because the one who keeps you does not sleep. And so then, we do not fear COVID. We do not fear the unknown. We do not fear the unexpected bad news, the dreaded ringing of the telephone at strange hours in the early morning. We do not fear danger. We do not, most of all, fear death. Everybody's scared to death of dying. So much that now we're scared to live. Jesus recognizes this frailness in our humanity and He knows what it's like to live in a fallen, sin-cursed, and dangerous world. And He teaches us to sleep in storm because we can trust God with our lives. Secondly, this passage shows us Jesus rebukes our fear and faithlessness. He rebukes us. He rebukes our fear. He rebukes our faithlessness. Look at the middle of verse 38. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? Panic had started to grip the disciples. They were were afraid. They were scared. They were concerned. And they were finally able to wake the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, from His deep sleep. And they said, Lord, do you not care that we are about to go under? Has it not occurred to you that this boat is going to sink and we're all going to die? And you're sleeping. Do you ever feel like that, friends? Like God is distant or asleep in your trials, in your suffering? Does He not care that you are sinking beneath the crashing waves of life's perilous circumstances? You see, these are the times that we feel most alone. And these are the times that we need to realize that we're not the first to feel like this. We read in our scripture reading this morning from Psalm 44, Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? (laughs) Rouse yourself! Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face, the psalmist says? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? Psalm 10 verse 1 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? 
And of course, on Calvary's hill, Jesus cried out to his Father, quoting from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, friends, we may feel alone in our affliction, in our danger, in our peril, in our storm, as if God is sleeping, as if He has forsaken us, and as if He doesn't care about our circumstances, just like the disciples here in Mark 4. But in their fear, in their panic, they didn't really understand who was in the boat with them. Look at verse 39. And He awoke, Jesus, He awoke, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And so this fully human Jesus, who moments earlier was exhausted and asleep at the back of the boat, was about to show that he was the fully divine master of the wind. And with a rebuke of his word, this deadly storm was stilled. But friends, the real rebuke here in this episode on the Sea of Galilee was not the rebuke of the storm. The real rebuke was the rebuke of his disciples. Look at verse 40. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You hear the disappointment in his voice, the displeasure in his voice. Do you not realize who was in the boat with you? These disciples had already witnessed spectacular miracles in the hands of Jesus. They had heard him teach deep kingdom mysteries and parables and then explain those truths to him to them in private. Yet they still had no faith. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say they had little faith. He said, have you still no faith? They still had no faith. And Jesus rebuked them for it. And we're the same way. It doesn't matter how much we see God work in our lives over the years, how many acts of extraordinary providence, or actually that's almost a, Oxymoron, extraordinary providence. <laughs> no matter how we've seen the Lord provide, heal, touch, deliver, when the storms return, we respond just like these disciples. And how we respond during these trials demonstrates, brothers and sisters, and this is the convicting heavy part here. It demonstrates the depth and the maturity of our faith. If, it's almost like if we expect the Christian life to be smooth sailing under sunny skies instead of a dark and stormy ride to get to the other side. Our faith is shallow. It is. We need this rebuke. 
Because brothers and sisters, fear and anxiety are two of the most tolerated sins in the modern church. And yes, you heard that right. They are sin. And I am guilty of both. I am not generally an anxious, fearful person, but over the past, I don't know, three, four, five months, I have battled worry, anxiety, fear like never before in all my life. Strange things that I've, have, have entered my mind that I've never pondered before. Fears. It's what living in a culture for 12 months that teaches you to be afraid of everything will do. You see, we have our own stormy waves crashing into our hearts this morning. But do we hear the voice of Jesus saying into this te- in this text, to you, to me, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? What about you, brothers and sisters? Are you afraid of COVID? Are you afraid of your health? For your family? For your job? Are you afraid because of the uncertainty of your future? Do you hear the voice of Jesus saying this to you this morning? Through through the inspired and errant, authoritative and sufficient word of God, why are you so afraid? Do we not think that it displeases God when we respond to our afflictions in doubt and fear instead of faith and trust? Do we think that God is just okay with that? If he was, then why didn't Jesus tell the disciples, guys, it's just calm down? No. It was a rebuke, a scathing rebuke. We have become so tolerant of our doubts and our anxieties and our fears that they have almost become chronic for us. Make no mistake, friends, the the fearful and faithless response of the disciples here on this lake is our own response. We need to be honest with ourselves and hear the rebuke of Jesus and confront our faithlessness with the truth that God is sovereign, absolutely, comprehensively sovereign over whatever perilous circumstances we might find ourselves in. And we can and we must trust Him. Lastly, in this passage, we see that this is where this text just gets off the charts sweet. (laughs) We see that Jesus reveals His glory in our storms. Verse 41. They, the disciples here, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then? is this, that even the wave, the wind, and the sea obey Him. Take your highlighter, your pencil, and circle that question, who then is this? Because this is the point of the whole episode. Jesus has already shown His humanity, and now He he just so ever so slightly pulls back the curtain and gives His disciples a glimpse of His divinity, His power. And another kind of fear would grip them. 
The text reads literally in the original language, they feared a great fear. This is not a fear of the wind or the waves or the water, but the fear of Christ and His glory. They were afraid of the man who was just asleep on the cushion. R.C. Sproul says this, he, he calls the disciples' experience here a glimpse of the holy. Listen to what he says. In a word, what the disciples experienced on the Sea of Galilee that night was the holiness of Christ. They liked His power when they were in trouble, so they were quick to wake Him when the boat seemed endangered. But when He showed them His power, they said, this is not common power, this is holy power. This man is different from every other person on the face of the earth. And finding themselves in the presence of the Holy One of Israel, they were consumed by fear. Sproul says, As soon as God manifests His transcendent majesty, men are reduced to terror. See, friends, the modern evangelical church has lost sight of holy fear. We have gotten too comfortable with the terror of God's holiness because we have tipped the theological scales so far on the God is love side that we have forgotten that God is holy, holy, holy. Our worship songs reflect that much, don't they? So that all one has to really do in many songs that are being sung all over churches in America this morning are flip a few pronouns, add a few words, and they could easily, the songs that we're supposed to be singing to the Lord Jesus Christ and of His glory and of His majesty could easily be played as love songs on secular radio stations. Friends, Jesus is not our lover He is the holy Lord of all creation whose voice the wind and the waves know to obey. The wind and the waves know something we don't get, church. (laughs) They know to obey. We want to talk our way out of it, reason with our fears. And His glory caused His disciples to tremble far worse than that storm did. We need to be done with this shallow, middle school, eighth grade view of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us once again tremble in holy fear at His voice, not because He's going to squash us down in anger, but because He is altogether different. He is altogether separate. He is like us, but He is altogether other than us. And friends, this is the whole point of the storm that these disciples here would get a glimpse and tremble in the presence of the high king of heaven and say, who then is this? And friends, we will never get this kind of revelation of of Christ and his glory until we learn to embrace the storm because that's where it's found. It's not found in comfort. It's not found in yachts sailing across the lake. 
is found in a boat surrounded by raging waters, fierce winds. And we have come to the end of ourselves and we have no hope to stay afloat except that the voice of Christ would say, Peace, be still. And that's what we need to hear this morning. Not Jesus speaking those words to a storm, but Him speaking those words to us. Peace, be still. Sometimes He, he does calm the storm. But more often than that, friends, He lets it rage around us so that we can get a glimpse of His majesty, of His splendor, of His power, of His faithfulness. I've tried my best not to push that metaphor too far because these disciples here, they were in a real storm. (laughs) It wasn't a metaphor for them. They were in real danger. And we are not in that boat with them. But the Lord will bring us into perilous circumstances of our own. And far too often all we want to do is get to safety when He has other plans. Maybe it's a troubled marriage. Maybe it's uncertainty at work. There's a lot of that going around these days. Maybe it's the haunting memories of a sinful past. Anybody ever have that? You remember things from your past and they haunt you to still this day. Maybe it's the pain of losing a loved one. Maybe it's wayward children. A looming medical diagnosis. A loved one with a terminal illness. Whatever it is, friends, we will miss Christ if all we want to do is stay safe. We will miss the opportunity to minister to others who are in perilous circumstances. We will miss miss the opportunity to minister to a dying world around us. And see, that's exactly what we see here in the broader context of this passage, okay? Because when you read on into chapter 5, where we're going to be next week, we're going to find out why Jesus wanted to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. There was a man there whose name was Legion because he was filled with demons. And he needed help. He needed a Savior. And Jesus was on His way to set Him free. Friends, we need to be done with this idol of safety. We need to jump into the storm. We need to embrace it so that we might gain a fresh vision of Christ that causes us to say, Who then is this that the Lord could work wonders like this in my life? You have an opportunity right now to lay all your fears, to lay your doubts, your anxieties, your uncertainties on Christ and walk out of here, not with everything magically all better, but with a calm, with a peace in your soul that no danger, no peril, no storm, no affliction can destroy
But Jesus didn't come to earth simply to calm storms, friends, but to rescue us from another storm, a coming storm of fierce wrath from the holy creator God that we have spurned in our sin and our rebellion. This, friends, is the true storm that looms on the horizon of eternity for those who have not yet come to the end of themselves, to the end of their own righteousness, and cast themselves completely on Christ in repentance and faith. Friend, have you done that this morning? Because whatever storm you're going through pales in comparison to the storm that's coming. Have you turned away from your sin and self and have you looked on Christ in faith who absorbed the storm of His Father's wrath on Calvary's cross so that all who believe on Him would be forgiven of their sin and no longer be God's enemies but become God's children? Friends, this is the choice that is before each of us this morning. Forget safety. Flee to Christ. Find yourself in Him. There is no safety apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.